Welcome to The Rachel Quizup Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible human, Ashley Bowden. Ashley is a coach that helps creatives heal their self-sabotage and cultivate gentle businesses that they can feel safe inside of. She is known for her compassionate presence and soul-stirring voice. When she's not holding space for humans, you can find her discovering new donuts or having some heart-to-heart convos. Today, we're chatting about how to create safety in business and how to practice self-care, not aftercare. I just know that you're going to get so much from this conversation with Ashley, so let's dive in. I'm so excited to speak with you today about how to create safety in our businesses. Many of my community are like done with the, like, you must work outside of your comfort zone. You must like hustle all the time approach to business and are looking for ways to honor their humanity and protect their nervous system. I know that's something that I've been really leaning into the past 12 months as well. So before we dive in and learn more about you and all of your strategies and advice, I would love for you to you to define for us what safety specifically in business means to you. So safety in this context, I think really speaks of the capacity and the ability to fully access a sense of care, a sense of security, a sense of soothing, so that you're able to really stay grounded and in a place of leadership in your business versus a place of it's all happening to me and it's incredibly overwhelming. Oh, I love that. I love that you brought it back to like leadership and empowerment being in control as opposed to feeling overwhelmed and like everything is happening to you because if I'm honest in those moments in sort of those type of moments for my business, I really mm-hmm. didn't feel safe. Like I really didn't feel cared for. I really was not practicing self-care. Like I really had taken my like body and mind and spirituality, everything to the extreme. And then I was, you know, sitting there going, why is everything feeling terrible? Well, no wonder, like I didn't have anything in place to like sort of take care of myself. And I just kept on overriding that. I think that is something that a lot of us, I know a lot of my listeners as like high achieving people, perfectionists, people living with trauma, mental illness, et cetera. We are told daily and weekly, particularly in business to keep pushing ourselves in order to get results. So I'd love to know why do you think historically this is true and that we've been told to override our nervous system and to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm -hmm. I think there's obviously a lot of reasons, but I think the one that I would want really want to speak on is the pressure to produce overriding the question of well-being. And I think that's been in place for a really long time. And that's in place for a lot of different reasons, but it's, it's actually a really revolutionary act or expression to switch it and to say uh, my sense of well-being, my sense of care is going to run priority over the pressure to produce or the pressure to make money or the pressure to prove my significance. And I think you're so right. It is 
a really huge shift. It's something that I put in place the last 12 months where I actually said, no, my like mental and physical health is going to like take the top kind of priority every day over everything else from like seeing friends, cleaning house to like, do you know what I mean? Like every single thing. And it's been a wild ride because when I have felt like the nervous system activated, I have had to ask myself like, why? Like, like no one's here. It's me in my bedroom, in my tracksuit pants with my dog. No one's here. Like no one is saying, Rachel, get off, you know, the couch or the bed and go sit down and create or go reply to that DM. No one is, but it's that invisible pressure that is like constantly like around us. How have you helped your like clients and community to start realizing that yes, the pressure is there. And even though they can't see it, it's valid, but also like no one is most of the time is going to notice or tell us that we have to do something. It's like this internal kind of voice that we've got going on. Yeah. I think kind of two things. One, I think sort of deconditioning and unlearning that pressure, I think specifically also for people who have not just experienced that societally, but experienced that in the home of like, you better always be doing something, don't be lazy, et cetera, which was definitely an experience that I had. And then that becomes a much more personal and somewhat at times traumatic thing to heal from and to unravel from. And I think one, just having the awareness of that, of there's something here to unpack, there's something here to unravel from. And also that it's a very real thing outside of you versus, I don't know, almost like blaming or shaming or punishing yourself for holding or grabbing onto it in the first place. Uh, And that whenever there's trauma involved, there's always survival involved. And I think that it's important to, to start, I believe to start anything in the space of compassion, but to start in that space of compassion of, um, I've learned this at times to survive, but I didn't necessarily choose it. And if I have it, if I can offer myself that choice now, how do I want to live differently? Or do I want to live differently? Do I want to live with a different kind of pressure or no pressure at all, et cetera? So I definitely think that is the first uh, step. And then a second piece is bringing the compassion more into you. Um, when those thoughts are really coming up, how can I be with myself in those thoughts versus um, just pushing them away or even acknowledging them and saying, yeah, you're right. <laughs> how can I create space between me and these thoughts and, and look at them objectively and say like, is this really how I wanna motivate myself? Is this really how I want to lead myself? Or are there softer, more gentler, more holistic, more honoring options of how I want to move myself through the day? Oh, I love that so much. And it relates, I think, to my journey recently and to many of my clients. Because you're right. I think a lot of the time I was motivated through like fear and like the pressure and I need to keep up. And then covid whether it's a blessing or not being in lockdown, it did make me realize what was the motivation. And I'm actually a very self-motivated person, but then I did realize a lot of that was coming from a place that wasn't compassionate yet 
sitting in front of you or anyone else, I would be wholeheartedly compassionate. And that's something that I definitely had to unpick. And again, when I'm motivating myself now, I'm wanting to do it out of like joy and ease and like fun. And also, yes, I have to still motivate myself to do certain things. And I love that you brought up, well, do I still want to motivate and pressure myself to like do things that might be uncomfortable or that I don't feel like doing, but I know is going to get a good result, like going to the gym, seeing friends, you know, actually turning up and having some of those sales conversations in business when, you know, everything is feeling good otherwise. And sort of on this note, you shared a really incredible um, Instagram post recently about the difference between self-care and aftercare. And I think this relates to so much of what we're talking about. Would you mind speaking to this idea more? Because I think many of us, like I said, me included, have been conditioned to practice aftercare in business. So like hustling and doing everything, you know, pushing ourselves extreme for a launch is okay. Cause you know, afterwards we can rest and I don't want to be doing that anymore. So can you speak to this? Yeah. Well, so one of the really big distinctions I make between aftercare and self-care is that aftercare is about recovery and that self-care is about really prioritizing a kindness and attention towards yourself um, almost in a way like self-care is this sort of constant flowing river and aftercare is kind of like triage at the end of a dry desert. Um, and it's so interesting how recovery has been so normalized, specifically, I think, when it comes to launches. Like, you must build in recovery into your launches, uh, which in, in terms of general advice, yeah, I would agree with that. But also, why are we not looking at how to create care, intentional care, but in the launch process versus let's just do that. It's like, let's just do that at the end. Um, and aftercare, because I think that there's some people who do no care. They don't do aftercare. They don't do self-care. And if you're in that space, you know, aftercare is going to be a big step. Uh, and sometimes it has to be that initial step. I know that for me, it was that initial step. But if you are someone who's stuck in that space of aftercare, only giving yourself love and um, attention and kindness after you meet the goal or after you make that sale or after you create that thing, then you are stuck in a place of recovery. And a recovery to me speaks of a state of survival, not a state of nurturing or thriving holistically, et cetera. It's like, I'm going to get the job done. I'll take care of me later. <laughs> and self-care just takes that up. True self-care takes it up one step further and says, I'm going to care for myself at the beginning. I'm going to care for myself in the middle. And I'm going to care for myself in the end that I am just un, I have an unwavering worthiness to receive care no matter what I'm producing or doing or creating or achieving, but it's, it's in the entire process. And um, I think what is really beautiful about that is that that's sustainable care. Like that is care that really sets you up 
for sustainability that's care that really honors your humanity throughout the whole process uh, and really also takes out some of the I think some of the extremes and intensity and black and white ways of being that can be really present in entrepreneurship. It helps us settle and soothe into some rhythms that are just much more sustainable long-term. I love that you shared that. And again, it resonated so much with me because for years, particularly my early twenties, I really was, I think, survival. Like I would only reward myself when I did the thing or I would like practice sort of, you know, aftercare now that you've used the term, I was like, yes, this was aftercare (laughs) after I'd done the goal. But to me that was self-care. Like, so I really would like, you know, be doing all the things and some of it was great, you know, seeing friends or, but I just was constantly doing, and then I'd get to the point where I was exhausted. So I'd have, you know, like a day or two watching like Netflix and eating healthy food and recovering. And now I see like, that is not sustainable. That was like after, like life aftercare, not even business, just life aftercare. And again, like switching that out over the last couple of years, being more and more intentional and always coming back to it. Cause I do sometimes find myself slipping, you know, life happens busy, like, Oh, and you start to move into this like survival mode, which I think is so important that you pointed out. Cause I think for a lot of us, when we ask ourselves, honestly, the things that I feeling we are starting to move into survival mode. And what, again, once we recognize that, like you've mentioned, we can change our practices. We can, you know, create separation from us and our thoughts and we can start to move ourselves back to a space that feels more safe, that feels more nurturing. And like you said, compassionate. And I know that you've talked a little bit too about like acknowledging and working with your inner child to create a gentler business, to be aware of some of those past traumas or past like tendencies that we acknowledge are there, but we want to change. So what does that look like for you daily in your business and how do you support your clients to kind of navigate that? Yeah. So I think there is a couple different ways you can work with inner child. One is definitely working with inner child when it comes to the vulnerable areas, the areas where you are likely to self-sabotage or you're likely to feel overwhelmed. So for example, I've noticed that a big area for a lot of people is either with sales or social media because they both can leave people feeling vulnerable to rejection or shame or feeling humiliated, whatever. And a lot of people, I would say like the majority of the world carries different experiences around those things. And so a way that you can work with the inner child in your business and a way that I do as well is to check in with the inner child when you're approaching more of those sensitive, tender areas. So for example, if I know a launch is coming up, I can check in and approach my inner child and ask some questions like, what would make you feel safe during this time of visibility? Or what would assure you that we're our, like our my life's not actually in danger. Our life's not actually in danger if we sell in the DMs, for example, um, or reach out to clients and sort of checking in and, and seeing what comes as you ask those questions. And sometimes it can literally just be, sometimes the most powerful thing is even just asking the question that the inner child can be relieved and aware that they're not alone and that 
um, they're not going to die <laughs> by doing some of these things. And so that's one. But then the other step too that I'm really passionate about talking about is how to involve the inner child and involve the strengths of the inner child. Um, and our inner child can bring and help us tap into so much creativity and wonder and joy, creativity. And so one thing I love to do is just ask my inner child for ideas. So if I know I'm going to, let's say I'm going to organize a challenge and I'll just be like to my inner child, like, what do you think about this? What do you think that could make this great? What do you think could make it fun for people? Um, or if there was a task that I don't like, maybe my inner child doesn't even like this task, really tapping in with my inner child and asking like, what are your ideas for how we could make this more vibrant, how we could make this more exciting, um, how we could make this more fun. And sometimes it's the simplest thing, like, I don't know, putting a tablecloth on my desk that's colorful or having a movie while we're watching or while we're doing some mundane task. Um, sometimes it'll even be like, I'll just ask my inner child, what do you want to drink? <laughs> and then while I'm doing that Monday task, I have this special drink, uh, like chocolate milk or something. And it's just a way, I think, to involve the inner child, to also teach the inner child that um, they are safe in your business and that they also have things that they can give and that they can offer. And they can be a beautiful way of not just healing the inner child, but allowing them to contribute to the business that you have. Yeah. I love that you speak to this because to be honest, I've never really heard anyone like consider or want to acknowledge the inner child like day to day and actually incorporate them into business and in life. It's always about healing the inner child. And I think that obviously that work is very important, but I also feel like a lot of people in the business space are kind of using that term and that kind of approach really incorrectly and like talking about it all the time. And I feel like a lot of us um, are sort of like, Oh, come on, like in a chart, like, come on, like not everything is in a child work. Also a lot of people aren't qualified to be talking about, you know, know. deep inner child work either. So I love that you're also bringing that into the daily biz. Cause you're so right. Like if I have to do a hard task, I have all of the liquids <laughs> like juice <laughs> and coffee and water. And I have like a blanket over my leg right now. Like if I want to feel like so safe and grounded, you're so right. And I never really thought about it in that way, but perhaps I am tapping into my inner child without making the true connection, but subconsciously letting them come through because I am like, Oh, I need to have a nourishing breakfast. And if I'm going to do like a workshop and I get a little bit of, you know, that spike of anxiety just before, I start like good anxiety. Like I have things that I say to myself, you know, like you've got this, like, let's do this. This is going to be fun. All of that kind of stuff. And I think, yeah, if people started doing that more and even if it's not truly the inner child, it's just being like, what yeah. do I need right now? Like, I just, I want to feel yeah. like comfy and soft and warm. I'll put the heater on. So I'm not freezing trying to write this, you know, social media yeah. posts, all of those things. I think we would feel a lot more safe and grounded in our business. So a question that I've been asking um, guests recently is all around throwing out the rule book and growing our businesses our own way. So would you mind sharing how creating safety and having a gentler business has helped you to build an aligned and profitable business? 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that one of, well, I mean, obviously one of the reasons I'm so into this is because I was the opposite at the beginning of my business and I self-sabotaged my business for like what felt like 10 years. And it was just, it would often feel like I was just doing this, repeating the same mistakes like over and over and over, but yet still so unaware that I was repeating the same mistakes. And I share about how I did this exercise where I think I had been seven years into business and I just took out a Google doc and I just wrote out all the bad things that had happened in my business or all the hard things, things that maybe caused me a little bit of pain. And as I was writing them out, I realized the same things <laughs> keep happening over and over. There were like three same things that kept happening over. And I literally had no idea. I literally had no idea. And so it was at that point when I had this massive realization of like, I don't feel safe. And that's when I really started to throw the rule book of who cares? <laughs> like it, at that point it was like, who cares what's going to make me the most money? Who cares what's going to be the best strategy? I just need to do what's going to feel the safest. And of course the irony of that being that when I felt the safest, that's when I was able to sell the best. That's when I was able to make the most moves because I was what we're talking about. Like I was grounded and I was safe and I felt in my body. And so I think that's, that's what I would say mine has been. Um, One, like, I think that awareness was really big. It's in a powerful exercise I would recommend uh but then also realizing that for me at that point that it was I'm going to throw every everything I've learned and every other strategy having been in business that long and they what is what are what is the stuff what are the strategies that are going to make me feel the safest I love that uh I need to do that I've been over the last like probably like nine or ten months doing the same thing like just stripping my business back um, practicing yeah. like marketing minimalism, being like, I don't want to sell courses anymore. The course was going fabulous. Don't want to sell it anymore. And I started <laughs> to ask myself, like, why am I doing these things? And like, why do I want to do them? And again, safety was a huge component. It was also being out to sort of like consistently have creativity and energy, like an, in a certain way as well. And to not have those big ups and those big downs, because like I yeah. mentioned earlier, you know, for me, it really was like, I did work then I rewarded myself, then I did work, then I reward myself. But then having multiple things that I was doing, there was no time for rewarding. So one, it was a terrible pattern. And by choosing to opt out of that, then I could see what, like you said, like I could see what I was doing. Like I could see why it wasn't working, but it wasn't until I started stripping it back. Being like, oh, that's why selling multiple things at once doesn't feel good because there's no time for me to like do aftercare, right? Because I've constantly yeah. said the next thing that I was like, no, we've got to change that. So multiple sort of switches out in my business. And I think the awareness is so important because a lot of us, um, you know, maybe you're like clients and community the same too. A lot of us come into business and we do want to maybe push a little bit harder the first few years. Maybe the strategies that served us the first few years were fantastic. And again, looking at that with compassion and being like, yeah, that did work for me. But, you know, like you, we've been in business for a while. Like I'll be 
going into my 11th year of business. You know, I've been doing it for over 10 years. So these strategies that I had originally really don't serve my life where I want to be. And yeah, it's all of that awareness. And I just remember the feeling, maybe you had it too, when I figured it out, I was like, oh my God, what my therapist has been saying, what my GP has been saying, my personal trainer with my like sore neck, with what I'm saying with my partner. And I like, it clicked. And I just was like, this like just felt so free, like the epiphany of being like, oh my God, it all makes sense now. And now just mm. really listening to that inner voice being like, no, I don't care what anyone tells me I need to say or do. If it doesn't like feel good for me, I'm going to uh, like try and understand why, but sometimes I'm just going to say no. Like I don't have to yeah. unpick everything as well. I'll just be like, trust that. No, I don't want to do that strategy or tactical. No, I'm going to switch something out for myself today. So if a business owner wanted to start creating safety in their business, what are three simple things that they can do today? Mm -hmm. Number one will always be to ask yourself the question, what would make my business feel safe? Because we can't do anything else till we know that information. Then number two, pick one of those things and reflect, is that in your business now? Is it in your day-to-day of your work? And if it's not, what would it look like to integrate one of those things? And then number three, I think would be looking at the care piece. And I'm clearly such a coach because all my answers are questions, but (laughs) number three would (laughs) (laughs) um, would be, I think, just looking at do you do are you more prone to aftercare are you more prone to self-care are you more prone to no care and what does that first step look like maybe it's um doing one thing in the morning before you work that one thing i really have loved i'm just going to throw this out is that i actually started working with there's an industry called like spiritual direction and I'd never done it before and I started working with the spiritual director and she starts every session with silence and you literally just sit in silence together for like five minutes and I don't know there's something that's so powerful about it because even when you go into a coaching session as a coach or someone being coached there can almost feel this feeling of like okay let's get to it like we got to make it happen we got to get to the result whatever and I think that's just such a powerful practice of moving in care and intentionality, taking those like few minutes, even if it's just like one minute of silence before a call you create um, to really move out of that place of groundedness for that impulse to perform. Um, so I would say that play with that practice, if it, it resonates with you of, just being quiet for a minute, just being with yourself. That's so powerful. And I'm going to say, I hate the thought of it, which probably means I need to do it because like well, sitting, word, word, probably. yeah, sitting there. I mean, I'm fine with my thoughts, but sitting there, like being silent, like I'm like, oh, I want to feel this space because my family is a family of like talkers, but my my partner's family is big on silence. And I sit there like the dinner table being like, they're just <laughs> chewing. I want to say something. Um, So I think that like, again, recognizing like, you know, if you're always feeling like you need to feel the space, you need to jump in or entertain. That's such a good point that like to sort of come back to that sort of like safe space and calm 
I love that. And a question that I always ask my clients when I first start is like, how can like, I support you today? How can I serve you today? And I think, and then I like pause and often what comes up for them is not really work, work, you know, in air quotes related. It is, I need this or I feel like this. And I love starting our sessions off this. And then we end with the more sort of like practical, like to do's, but I love not starting off being like, cool, let's jump into your strategy. Because again, when you're sometimes face to face with people or like you mentioned before, you know, you go sit down to do the social media post or serve in a certain way. That's when those feelings come up and it's not until you're like right there in the present that, you know, you need to address it. So I really love that practice. Maybe I'm going to try and sit with silence (laughs) a little bit more (laughs) myself. It's going to be really, really hard. So if you wanted, Oh, did you want to say something else? If you wanted listeners to take away one thing about creating safety in their beers, what would it be? I think the one thing I would say is that you deserve a business that feels less like a race or something to perform for and more of a warm embrace or a deep exhale. Oh, that's so beautiful and so powerful. I think visually I can see that too you know you don't want to be like (laughs) they're trying to catch your breath which is literally how I felt in the past in business I know exactly what you mean like as soon as you said I could picture the exhale like I can picture the like release and when I've been really aligned to my business and felt safe you're right it has felt like I've sat down and be like oh yes like I'm home as opposed to like holy crap I've got a to-do list a mile long (laughs) exactly yeah I feel like it's such a, those visuals are all things that we can identify. And it's even a great check-in question. Like, how does my business feel right now? And which of those things does it feel like? Oh, oh my God. Why do you have to coach me too? I'm going to have to like (laughs) ask myself these freaking questions now before I do any work. No, it's so powerful. Um, And I think like, it's a perfect way to end on because again, we can all do that like daily, like hourly. And I think it should be a practice that we continually sort of do. So we don't get stuck in the doing the overwhelm. And then again, move to that aftercare piece, which I think again, many of us are kind of being conditioned to do. And also, you know, reading a book, taking a bath, doing, you know, any healthy meals good. But again, if you then sit down to work and you're like, (laughs) like, I'm not really sure if taking 10 minutes to eat your lunch calmly is like fixing that problem. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like, there is like a disconnect um, between that. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Kujip show and for sharing your story, insights and wisdom. I know listeners are going to take away so much from what you shared here today. Awesome. Thank you.